Hello, Ryerson. It's Friday, March 6th, and this is Blue and Gold. From the Ryersonian, I'm your host, Latoya Powell. And I'm your new host, Sarah Chu. Happy International Women's Day! Today, we celebrate the accomplishments and progressions of women's rights all over the world. As we look back on the fight for gender parity, today we celebrate the freedom and access that women have. On today's episode of Blue and Gold, we will be speaking with Miriam Nocer, the founder of Infinitely Classic, about her journey to becoming a female entrepreneur while balancing the busy lifestyle of being a student. We'll also be speaking to Jodi Alise, a self-taught makeup artist based in Toronto, on how she started her business and what being a woman means to her. Miriam Nocer and her co-founder Esma Tour founded Infinitely Classic in 2018 as a brand dedicated to serving the beauty needs of the Muslim community. Here to talk to us more about it is Miriam herself. Welcome. Hey, hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So when did you first get the idea to start your own makeup company? So I'll give you some background. Infinity Classic was something that came out of my bedroom about five years ago because I was like my anonymous blog name. Actually, it's six years ago. And uh, I always wanted to do something that would cater to Muslim women because I've always identified as a Muslim woman. I might not have been visibly Muslim my whole life, but for me, it was really important to do stuff that will directly impact Muslim women in a positive way. And I love makeup. Don't wear it on a daily basis, but I'm obsessed with makeup. I have a huge table and everything. So, yeah. Nice. Okay. So what were some fears or challenges you had in the process of starting your own business? Well, some some fears were... Am I going to get sales? Are people going to enjoy my product? The really big part of the business is about awareness, uh, telling Muslim women that, you know, there's a lot of conventional makeup products that are not suitable for our religious needs. And we have to tell that story. So that's a huge part of our new website is we have a one of our main tabs is actually why halal. And we explain exactly what goes into halal cosmetics. Challenges. Being a student, of course, like uh, access to money is a bit easier, like grants and stuff like that. But again, I don't work a full time job, so I don't have any income to come in in order for me to like self-fund a bit. So I actually had to take out a loan from the bank <laughs> to go to a line of credit, actually, for like five thousand dollars to start the business back in uh, 2017. And then I brought Asma on board last year, actually. So got it. Wow. Yeah. And she's the co-founder. You can add a co-founder anytime in the process. But um, she had done such great work and I felt like she saw eye to eye with what I wanted to do. So it's nice to have somebody there alongside you working really hard. For sure. So, yeah, you mentioned about how your site talks about why halal makeup. Do you mind telling um, our listeners what exactly makes the infinitely classic makeup products, what makes it halal? Yeah, so um, halal is is an overlying term that means permissible in Arabic. So it doesn't have to just pertain to food. Um, for us, halal, what our halal meant to us is, of course, the sourcing of ingredients, no alcohol, no pork. And also, are we testing on animals? No, we testing on animals is really against what I believe is, is halal. I think uh, halal is the fair treatment of humans and of animals. So again, cruelty-free, making sure there's no child labor involved as well. This is how we encompass halal. And um, also, if you might see, if you you do your research about halal cosmetics, a lot of people do like um, halal nail polish because that's a different type of reasoning. Basically, you need to, when you make the ritual bath to pray, 
water needs to go through and penetrate your nail bed. So they make water permeable nail polish in order to for to make that accessible, right? That's not something we're trying to do, but we're trying to make makeup that can also permeate water and we're able to, you know, fully do our ritual bath. Yeah. Wow. So is it is it waterproof then or how does that work? I would be opposite. So it it's it's permeable lipstick. So we work with the lab to make sure that the lipstick, the eyeshadow, we have an eyeshadow palette out now, um, that water can go over it. But at the same time, it doesn't like ruin the quality and it doesn't smudge. So our lipsticks are actually extremely long lasting. That's so cool. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I never thought about that. That's so awesome. (laughs) Okay. Amazing. Um, Do you mind talking just a bit about the products? Like what exactly do you guys have now? So uh, in the beginning, when uh, we first ventured out into makeup, it was um, five different liquid lipstick shades. And we wanted to cater to nudes of all different types of skin tones and skin colors. So we made sure we had uh, five different shades were more on the neutrals, not just like neutral, warm, neutral, cool. And um, we went that, then we saw that people loved the formula, loved the color. So we expanded to three more shades last summer. And uh, just under a month ago, we launched our uh, eyeshadow palette called Dessert in Cairo. So it came from, obviously, I'm half Egyptian. So, uh, and I, I'm not a huge dessert fan, but dessert's a huge thing that people in the community love, right? So I decided to name this like neutral palette after desserts in Cairo. And it pays off. I love wearing it. If you see some photos of me on our social media now, I'm wearing it. And it's, I, it, it was years in the making because I love eyeshadow. And I'm just so happy it turned out the way it turned out. Yeah, I was looking at it, like your Instagram and social media. I was like, wow, they're, they're, it's like the warmest tones of like brown. And it looks really wearable, like everyday yeah. kind of look. I love it. was so yeah. pretty. If you, see, if you see the picture, you're going to see it up maybe later this month. But there is a picture of me and Asma wearing it. She's wearing more of a night look and I'm wearing more of a day look. And just it's it's a great palette to go day to night and also looks on different skin tones. I'm pretty neutral. Like I'm not cool. I'm not warm. That's what happens when you're biracial. <laughs> and um, Asma's very uh, yellow undertoned. Um, so it looked great on her. And I've also tried it under people with more red undertones, so cooler undertones. And it looks great as well. Amazing. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So what were some brands or business women that you drew on for inspiration for Infinitely Classic? Um, I, I'll give you two examples because one of them would be pro- product, not a person. Mm-hmm. And one of them would be person. So the first one would be Huda from Huda Beauty. I love her products. Um, her products, you know, she's a, she's a visibly Arab woman. She's Muslim as well. It's not a visible Muslim, but still a Muslim. And her products, she started like... I don't know if you heard about her story, but what she did was she got a pair of like um, eyelashes and she actually customized them for her friends. And that's how she started her eyelash business. And then her sister invested 5000 American dollars into the business. And then she started creating the, uh, the eyelashes. And I actually was a customer of hers way before she had all these makeup products. She just had some um, eyelashes. So. I really like how she started, you know, she was well into her career and in, uh, in business and she did what she wanted to do and really found that makeup was her passion. But I, in her products in general, like I said, uh, they're stuff I respect because they're high quality and they really, um, to me, being a Muslim, we do things with excellence and that's something I really believe in. And uh, I want all of our products to be of high quality like theirs. In terms of Somebody, oh God, there's a lot of people that can say really inspire me, but I'm going to st- 
talk about... No, I'm going to talk about my mother. <laughs> um, my mom uh, had a long career at TD. And uh, she worked her way up to do what she wanted to do. You know what I mean? And she had me pretty late in life, like not too late, mid-30s. But she went back to school six at me like six months after she gave birth to me. I had just had a major operation in my brain. Um, my dad had no job, so my mom was the breadwinner at that time. Um, because my dad had recently immigrated, like not recently, but he didn't have a job in his field at that time. So it was hard for us to like navigate, of course. My mom went back and um, did what she wanted to do was uh, web communications. And uh, she worked at TD for 38 years. And yeah, so I'm just like, she didn't let her age stop her from doing what she wanted to do. You know, she only went into the field of her dreams close to 40. And, you know, for me, I, I want to use my young age. I'm almost 25. I'll be 25 in June. I kind of want to use my young age to not take advantage of, you know, maybe losing time. I, I personally believe I'm not granted tomorrow. I'm going to try to live my life as best as I can now. Right. So love that. Wow. Uh, yeah. Moms are always so inspiring. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. Amazing. So what is your advice to women who want to start their own businesses? Honestly, you want to make sure that you are going to be your first customer. That's like my first thing. You know, obviously you have a business idea, but it's not about making a quick buck. It's about something that you think can inspire and help other people. And you're trying to solve a problem. But first and foremost, you know, your product will be successful if you yourself are, you know, you will be your top customer. So I always wear our lipsticks. I do not wear any other lipstick. Um, we actually have a foundation coming out later this year and we finalized my shade. Um, we're working on the other shades for the other girls on the team. So I wear my foundation now and try to like self-advertise like, oh, this is something coming up. So it's really important because I want to be a, test a walking testimonial of my own stuff. And I want people to believe in themselves because to be frank, you know, I have had many years of, of really low self-esteem. Um, I have had various health issues. You know, I, I was actually just in the hospital. I came out a week ago and um, I didn't let it stop me. I think a pause is always okay. Um, but business does take a lot of hard work and things don't happen overnight. A lot of business ideas won't flourish until like a couple years after. And this idea like of makeup I had since 2014. So when I was in chemical engineering here at Ryerson. So, yeah. So we are filming this podcast episode really around International Women's Day. since so It's coming up pretty soon. So for you, what does it really mean for you to be a woman in this day and age? I love the quote, and I forgot who coined it, and I have a shirt that says it. Um, I feel like being a woman is like my existence is resistance. <laughs> you know, being in an era where there's a lot of misogyny, um, a lot of microaggressions, especially towards racialized women, um, I feel like me doing the work I do both inside my business and inside the classroom is super important because I want to show that you know, I have a lot to bring to the table. And just because of the scarf on my head or my gender um, that, you know, I don't want to be discriminated for that. So for me, being a woman and International Women's Day is, is something really important to me because, you know, women go through a heck of a lot. Like our just biologically our like being a cis woman, our hormones are. <laughs> oh, God, I get like we are so moody sometimes. And like we don't. Yeah, we don't even know what, what's going on. 
And like that's just like the natural cycle of life. But men don't really have those like hormonal changes. So I'm not saying they don't have a lot of struggle. They do. But of course, patriarchy is huge in society. And I feel like we need to smash the patriarchy. I know it's cliche, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, it's really important for me to uh to you know stand up for my beliefs and you know i'm you know some in some cultures or some spaces i am privileged you know i'm fair-skinned and in some spaces i'm not so privileged because i wear the hijab and i'm a visible muslim and um and everything so for me it's it's super important to use the privilege that i do have to kind of elevate and help bring up other women who don't get to the mic pass to them at all that's so powerful wow Okay, to wrap this interview up, what products can beauty lovers expect to see from Infinitely Classic this year? So definitely foundation. Complexion is like my favorite thing of all time. I love makeup in general, but complexion is really important to me. So we have been working for almost six, seven months, like full time on the on the foundation line. Formula is complete. We're just now uh, putting the the colors together. I've already have my spreadsheet of colors, um, but we're ex- what we're trying to do with the with the foundation is, upon my research of different shades of foundation, I noticed that uh, fair skin tones had less golden undertones. They more were on the red, and vice versa for dark, uh, darker skin tones. So, let's say somebody with a darker complexion, let's say like Latoya, they wouldn't be as red under like undertones. And I find there's a big discrepancy that people think, oh, people with uh, white skin. They look a certain way and people with dark skin, they look a certain way. You know what I mean? Um, So we're trying to really be inclusive of different types of skin tones and really trying to make sure that almost everybody will have something. Because like I love Rihanna and Fenty Beauty is like my all time favorite brand, but I can't even find my shade because she makes them too red or her neutrals are also too red. And I'm sure there's problems for people who are black that they don't have like their skin tone in there as well. So. That's something we're trying to work on. We have tested different pigments on different girls um, and really trying to make sure we're catering to everybody. So that's like our major project this year. We're working slowly but surely, but 2021, I think, will be the biggest year for new product launches too. We have a lot of things in store after um, the foundation comes out. Amazing. Okay, thank you so much for coming and talking with us today. No problem. Thank you for having me. And I really appreciate you folks doing something for International Women's Day and highlighting, you know, businesses and and different women on campus and for, for the work they're doing. Of course, it's our pleasure. Another female entrepreneur in the beauty space is Jodi Alise, a Toronto based makeup artist. Welcome, Jodi. Hi, how are you? I'm well. Okay, thanks. (laughs) Okay, so you've started to create a name for yourself here in the city. What inspired you to pursue the makeup industry? Oh, well, I was, since I was a little girl, I always used to be into makeup. Um, Mostly my aunt, she used to have a lot of, like, a big collection. Um, I used to watch her, like, apply it at home and, like, completely change, like, a different person. Like, the way her attitude, everything changed. And 
like the one thing that I really liked about makeup was eyebrows. I always hate my eyebrows when I was a little girl. So I was like, when I'm old enough, I'm going to do my eyebrows. That was the number one thing that attracted me to makeup. It's, a, it's it's just fun. It's artistic. I took a lot of art classes. I'm a very artistic person. Um, so I feel like that really shows. Um, it's very therapeutic for me, too. Mm-hmm. I find that like if I'm stressed or anything, like I'll just call my friend, even if it's not a client or anything. I'll call her and... Um, just do something on her and it's just fun it's different like I like the feeling of it that's how I jumped into it yeah absolutely and you're saying that you're inspired by your aunt so Mm -hmm. was it her that taught you how to use and apply makeup actually it wasn't her I learned by myself I'm self-taught makeup artist uh by watching YouTube videos YouTube was a really big thing when I was growing up of course so watching other girls apply it and of course wanting to copy what they're doing um, inspired me to like jump into that and doing videos I have a lot of videos <laughs> um, that I did not post online and it's very embarrassing but <laughs> it's uh, it was a start you know we always start somewhere mm-hmm. what do you love most about being a makeup artist just the feeling I give to people after I complete their makeup the reaction it's the best feeling like I just feel like I did something really big even if it's something really small to be honest to me it's very small um but their reaction um the way they feel after they always have like these three sayings that they always do um they always say oh I wish I could like wear it go to bed with this makeup on or they never want to remove it or they always tell me, like, they wish I could just be, like, a person that's just there automatically doing their makeup 24-7. Um, so the way they feel, mostly. Um, mostly, I have a close friend of mine. She's really, like, not feeling herself lately. So when I do do her makeup, it just brightens her up and gives her a little, little sunshine in her. I just like that feeling that I give her or to any other person. So that's, like, my number one thing yeah no that's amazing you're bringing out the joy in people yeah through your confidence and stuff it really does change like I never used to really believe it when they said that makeup changes confidence of someone um but ever since I've been doing it I've been really seeing it so how did you take your passion and turn it into your profession so I first started practicing a lot because I really wanted to um do it on brides that's like my number one thing I love bridal makeup um so I started practicing on just my family members close friends and um turning into professional like I just wanted to branch out try different faces um so that's how I started turning into a professional um business um I would say the last two years I really kind of started taking more people the last couple six months um, I really kind of turned it into a professional one because I trying to get a website done, a price list, different type of styles, doing a photo shoot. All those things are starting to build up this year. So that's my number one plan to like turn it more into like a professional type of and taking classes. I want to learn. I'm not the best, of course. Um, learning is always good um, as an entrepreneur. You have to take information in because it evolves all the time there's different tricks that comes out of it all the time Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and as your journey continues have you faced any challenges like being an entrepreneur being a person of color and an entrepreneur yeah I would say I had a lot of challenges um 
mostly I would say in like um, the financial side Um, because I am starting up makeup is expensive Um, you have to buy different shades everybody's not the same shade so buying different shades it means it doubles (laughs) triples quadruples so um, it's a lot of investing that you have to put into that so that's like one of the things that's kind of restraining me Um, so you have to build that kit, building that kit, meaning you have to put money into it. And if you are inspired by it, you wouldn't care putting some funds into that. So I would say that was one of my challenges. And also I would say like, at first it was social media. I didn't really know how to expose my work out there. I kind of learned what works for me. Um, I kind of set a schedule up. Because I am a busy girl. I don't just do makeup all the time. Mm-hmm. I work full time. And I'm a makeup artist on the side. Um, I also have brothers. I have family. So trying to incorporate all of that as a woman, as a black woman too, it's a lot. And I'm the first born. So everything is on me. So everything's on me. So like everything is literally I have to time and like make sure that like I can fit everything. So that's the second biggest challenge as an entrepreneur. Time management. Yeah, time management. You really have to know how to schedule that because you can forget a a client just like this if you don't write it down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my phone is my best friend. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned social media. How has that impacted your business and the growth of it? Lately, it's been really, really good. Um, social media has its perks and positives and its negative. Um, Perks-wise, like, it's exposing me out there. Um, mostly in Toronto, um, you can see different type of makeup artists out there online. So it helps me by showing people what I can do. Um, different styles, um, using different hashtags uh, helps a lot uh, as an entrepreneur online. Nice, nice, nice. All right. Okay, so this episode is mm-hmm. oriented around um, International Women's Day. Mm-hmm. And so when we're thinking about like the progression of women or even the idea of intersectionality, um, what does International Women's Day mean to you? It means a lot to me because I am a woman myself. Um um, me and my mother are the only women in the household, so um, being a woman is very, very touching to me. Um, I That's the one thing that I always want to inspire other women to that, let them know that you can do anything you want. Um, so being a woman nowadays, it's more exposing. You, you have more freedom. Um, so you need to take advantage of that. So I'm trying to take advantage of that as much as, popula- as, much as possible. Sorry, And... Um, really supporting other females. Like, I have a lot of friends that have businesses um, coming up. Uh, I have a friend, she has tanning services. Her name is Bronze by Dice on Instagram. She just started a couple months ago. It's really, really nice. So there's a lot of different girls out there that do nails. So just posting on Insta Story just exposes, right? So if, for example, I post... My, my one of my friends posts my work. One of her friends can see my work one day and be like, "Okay, cool." She doesn't go on my page; it's fine. But one day she'll be like, "Oh my god, I need a makeup artist." She'll hit up my friend. She'll be like, "You posted this girl. Do you think she's available?" That's connection, right? So that's how you spread the word. Um, so and like supporting other women, supporting by posting, talking about it. 
talking about different issues that they're facing and that really supports the whole month of um, women. Mm-hmm. What are your dreams for your career in the future? Um, my main dream right now um, is to have a big studio, makeup studio, uh, where I can do the photography. I want to jump back into photography, um, photography, makeup, hair. Just have a studio where a woman can come in, get everything done. Um, nails, hair, massages, everything. Um, I want um, to incorporate that like in uh, just a one station. So you just go there, you do everything you need to do. Um, that's my main goal. And then, of course, have a business on the side that I sell cosmetics. Um, that's my major goal right now. Well, I really hope people continue to support you. And if they want to follow or use any of your services, mm-hmm. where can they find you? Well, I'm mostly on Instagram, uh, Jody Elise on Instagram. So J-O-D-Y. E-L-L-E-S-S-E. I also used to post a lot on, on YouTube. I'm going back into it. So you can look out for that too. It's uh, Jody Elise. Same thing. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this. Here's what else we're following this week. Voting for Ryerson's new student government structure closed on Thursday, March 5th. Four student groups are running, including Ryerson First, Ryerson Graduate Student Union, Ryerson Undergraduate Students Alliance, and Ryerson University Student Collective. You can find voting results and more on our website, ryersonian.ca. Today also marks Ryerson and the RSU's appearance in court. They will be determining the next steps in the RSU's $2.7 million lawsuit against the university. An update to the Wet'suwet'en pipeline debate. On March 1st, a Wet'suwet'en hereditary chief and senior government ministers said they reached a tentative agreement to recognize the land title rights established over 20 years ago. Federal Crown Indigenous Relations Minister Carolyn Bennett and British Columbia Indigenous Relations Minister Scott Fraser said the proposed arrangement needs to be approved by the Wet'suwet'en people before details can be released. The coronavirus is still moving in Ontario. Health officials reported four more cases this week. However, the province says COVID-19 has not spread locally as all four of these patients had traveled overseas. Three of them had recently been in Iran and all four are at home in self-isolation. Ryerson has temporarily suspended all university-sanctioned or sponsored students or employee travels to China. Stay safe, Ryerson, wash your hands often and use antibacterial hand wash and stay home if you show any symptoms of sickness. That's all for this week's Blue and Gold. Thanks for listening. Catch up with us next week for more of your community's top stories. Blue and Gold is a production of the Ryersonian and the Ryerson School of Journalism. Our hosts and executive producers are Sarah Chu and Latoya Powell. Our editor-in-chief is Talene Loshiavo. Managing editor Isabel Kirkwood, instructors Peter Baker-George and H.G. Watson, graphic by Brent Smith, special thanks to Angela Glover, Lindsay Hanna, Daniela Oleru, and Gary Gould. Music this week is provided by WeStar. My name is Latoya Powell. And I'm Sarah Chu. Thanks for listening.